You know, Tom Brady isn't my favorite quarterback of all time, but there's no denying his greatness and what he's meant to the game. So, um, yeah, you know, he's, you know, of course, to, to me, he, he is the greatest of all time as of now, and we'll see if, if any quarterback will be able to ever Opulent Inventory, our proud partners here on the show. Now you can finally have the Apple product times the Apple guys. That's right, from AirPods to iPhones to MacBooks to Apple Watches to trade-ins and much more. Now you can have the Apple product of your dreams. Promo code podcast gets you 20% off. That's right, 20% off on any Apple item. Visit Opulent Inventory, Nash and Guardian. Those are great guys on all social media platforms, and on Instagram. Now, let's head back to the show. We are back here inside Studio Z, inside this WNSC Radio's, the Sebi Podcast Radio Show, streaming in 16 different platforms worldwide. We have a familiar cast with us today. Yet again, I am back with my ride partner, Michael Gray from the Tri-State area, and myself here on the Sebi Podcast Radio Show. Mike, you and Guru held it down last week. Um, it was great. It was great that you guys held it down. Um, and I, I think America didn't miss a beat. No, nah, they they definitely didn't. You know, it was it was dope having them on. You know, the, the chemistry was there. It was a uh, it was it was great having Guru on. You know, the Super Bowl preview. Uh, I, I I really enjoyed um I, I really enjoyed every, everything we talked about and just 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 the flow and everything. Nah, America definitely didn't miss a beat for sure. Speaking of Super Bowl, that must have been the topic and the headlines of all weekend. While I was at the scene in the venue of Tampa Bay. Oh, it was yeah. a great scene, Mike. Great, great scene, Mike. Um, you see all the celebrities, all the stars, all of the former players that that are, are formerly playing, uh, that are retired, but also current players that are playing. It was a great sight. It was a great sight. You know who I saw? Yeah. Yeah. You know who I saw? I saw. Uh, gosh, can't remember his name, but he used to play for for the Bengals. Okay. And I had a chance to chop it up with him, and and we had a great conversation. T.J. Hushmanzada. Oh, okay. Who's was that? Yeah, that's remember TJ? That's actually the first play that came to my mind. That's crazy. Yeah, TJ, right. He he was opposite of Ocho Cinco. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah, when they used to play over there in Cincinnati. Yeah, I saw him over there, and he was at one of the Copacabanas, and he was hanging out with Swagoo. You know who Swagoo is. Oh, yeah, Marcus Spears. Yes, sir. Marcus Spears, yeah. So there's him hanging out near the beach. Um, It, it wasn't Clearwater. It was just uh, another beach in Tampa. And... um. They was hanging out by the by the uh, cabanas, and I was actually just, you know, I think I was reading a book at the time, um, and I was laying on a hammock, and I was like, I put the book down. I'm like, is that TJ? I'm like, that got to be TJ Usman's mm-hmm. So, you know, I ain't want to be all wild and, and you know, like, <laughs> be all, right. quote, 
quote Ratchet and yell across the things. So I was just like, man, let me put this book down, get off this hand. Let me walk. I'm across the sand. Let me see if that's TJ. Next thing you know, I see TJ Huzmanzada with Marcus Spears. And then I, I'm like, yo, TJ, what's good, man? What you doing down here? Blah, blah, blah. You know, we hanging out, we talking and stuff. And then, um, boom, he just started to tell me that, you know what I'm saying? Before the game started, Mike, he said, this game right here was going to be a beatdown. And I was like, you serious? I was just like, it's going to be a beatdown. But I was like, by who? And he wasn't even going to tell me who. I was like, why are you not going to tell me? It's like, man, don't call me a prophet. Don't call me a fortune teller. Uh, 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 I, I'm not a genie. I just feel it, man. It's going to be a beatdown. And then uh, we had our other conversations telling them how life's been. Um, I know he's doing some stuff with uh, Sports Nation right now and, and, and the ESPN networks and stuff. But a really cool guy. But it's crazy, Mike, how he actually uh, uh, said that. And what do you know? When the events revealed themselves, that's what happened. It, it, it was crazy time. Uh, meeting TJ out there, so good time, good vibe, and I, I I recommend this for anybody, Mike, yourself, and anybody else. A Super Bowl experience is something that I think everybody in their lifetime has to experience. It's, it's, it, it, it has to, Mike. It's, it's, it's definitely on my bucket list, and yeah, you you look like you had the time of your life out there. You know, the Super Bowl experience, all the festivities that take place throughout the week leading up to the game. I mean, it's a, it's a uh, for somebody that works in the media, it's 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 a it's a it's a time of a lifetime. It's, it's definitely a dream to go out there. So it's definitely on my bucket list. I will knock it off one day. But yeah, nah, you definitely uh you definitely look like you did your thing and held held it down out there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Met some guys like Mike Evans as well. Um, got some sound bites from Mike Evans. Really cool guy. Um, there as well. But speaking of the Super Bowl. Um, it's not my time of my life, but let's talk about these players, the Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, because they probably had their time of their lives as well. Let's talk about what happened and transpired in Super Bowl 55, Brady versus Mahomes Act 5. Fifth time that these guys have met. And um, Mike, it, it was just it, it was just a beatdown. It was just a beatdown, just like TJ said. Um, from start to bottom, I, I just think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers came with a game plan. And it wasn't a very complicated game play, Mike. Nope. The, the Bucks <laughs> played Tampa, too. They, they, yep. they, they played Tampa, too. It, that, that's the crazy thing. Yep. They, they, they were not going to let Tyree Kill beat them over the top like he did in that first quarter of Week 12's matchups that they previously had. They doubled him every single down. They said, we'll allow you to get the stuff underneath, but you're not going to be this deep. And then I love the way that Todd Bowles had a game plan to bracket uh, uh, Kelsey because if people don't know, the Chiefs go as Kelsey go because Kelsey actually opens up everything else for Hardman, for Hill, for Sammy Watkins and some of their other um, speed players. And so they had a great way to bracket him. What they did is it was a cover two, Mike, with a spy underneath. So they had Levante mm -hmm. David bracketing uh, Kelsey all night long and then had help underneath that for yeah. all the intermediate and underneath routes. It was just a great game plan by Todd Bowles, Mike. And, uh, and on the opposite side, um, Brady's leadership is, is the difference, Mike. I, I think that when we look back at this, and most people might think I'm biased here, I think Tom Brady is the greatest leader in American sports history. There hasn't been a guy that, 
you know, yes, Jordan may have the athleticism and, and, and the clutch gene. And not that's not saying that Tom Brady doesn't have that. Tiger Woods may have the ability to just flip a switch at any given moment. LeBron James as well. Um, but when you talk about leadership, when you talk about a guy that can just beat you off of pure will, off of pure, you know, it's it's a mental game for him, Mike. Yep. You know what it is? It, he beats people with his mind. He is just mentally tough. And for a guy to not be able to practice and have OTAs this year with all these COVID symptoms and all these COVID uncertainties to travel and go to a whole nother conference, a whole new team, not being able to have a regular, um, you know, uh, training camp or anything like that. And his first career year and first season in Tampa to take him to the Super Bowl. It's that's that's quite unprecedented, Mike. And and I thought that's just leadership. You saw Coach Arians at the end of the game say, what's the difference between last year and this year? Have you, you had, Frankly, you had the same team, right? Same talent defensively, same offense, same uh, uh, receivers. Both of your receivers went to the Pro Bowl after a thousand yard receiving last year. He said the difference mm-hmm. is leadership, and that's what Brady's done. And um, it's 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 something special to behold, Mike. It it really is. Yeah, when you look at it, uh, one of the, one of the key things I looked at it when I uh, when I was watching the game on Sunday was that it's not even all, always the plays that he makes with his arm. It's the plays that you know. It's, it's his IQ and understanding of the moment. And you know, he might audible a play there, knowing when to run, knowing when to take advantage of the defense because he's seen every defense known to man. Nothing is really new to him. He understands situations, and he's mastered to be a, the ability to adapt to, to any uh, defense that, that they throw at him at the moment. And that that right there alone, it, watching that game on Sunday reminded me a lot of the fact that this is it's, it's, it's like watching him in New England, in Tampa Bay, like that offensive system that they ran in New England. Very similar, very, Mike. Very, very similar. similar. Very similar. It, it, that's, how, that's how it looked. And it's amazing that you have that much leadership that you can bring that style over and that into that team and and integrate that offense into that team in in a short period of time and for them to grasp that and then to master that concept all the way up into the big game that's that that's impressive in and of itself but but the game the game in total you're right the defense was the mvp of this game in my opinion todd bowles deserves immense credit for it they stuck to they stuck to the game plan they stayed disciplined throughout the game the the front four was the key uh, getting pressure up the middle, containing him on the outside, n- not really giving him too many scramble lanes uh, to get comfortable outside the pocket. He was scrambling uh, backwards instead of scrambling forward, trying to you know uh, maneuver and stuff. But you 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 definitely saw a, a, a legit game plan, and hats off to the Buccaneers, man. They deserve this moment. Uh, the, those linebackers, Levante David and Devin White, it's just a special duo, a special chance. Yeah, I've been talking, I've been raving about them, Mike. Yeah, man, I, I think this was the game right here. This was one of the best games I've seen Levante David play in a while. I mean, what he had to do against the, arguably the best tight end in football, I mean, he was all over him all game. It was a battle, and he, he stuck with it. He stayed consistent. He stayed locked in. Um, hats off to Tampa Bay. This this defense, in my opinion, was was a sensational. They were fun to watch. They were the, They were probably the most fun and most impressive thing to watch to me throughout the entire weekend was this defense, just full-out discipline. You, it's, 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 it's amazing that in this time we live in today of all offense, that a, def, that a defense was that dominant in a Super Bowl 
and was one of the key factors in, in, in bringing home a championship. And something else that stood out to me, actually a few things, Mike, yep. is number one, when I saw that both of their tackles are going to be out yeah. and then I thought four starters up front in total are going to be out, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's trouble. Because this is not the game that you can afford to have mm-hmm. offensive linemen. JPP is coming. Shaq Baird is coming. Uh, we know how much of a force as an interior lineman that Indana Kutsu is. And then Vita Vey is back. So you've got your hands full already. And to go up against backups. So I, I knew coming in that that was going to spell trouble for the Kansas City Chiefs um, because right. I, I knew Tampa Bay would have their way in being able to, uh, to, to collapse that pocket. And number two, Mike, I, I think this is a blueprint that yeah. um, the, the, the league can take. And it's yep. crazy, right? It's crazy. It took us two and a half years to do that, to find a, a, a way to kind of slow down this Chiefs. Now, let's be honest. It, it, they're the Chiefs still. I think they'll be back, Mike. Um, the way that they lost, I, I think that this is going to be a, a – they're going to be fueled to make amends about what happened in Tampa Bay this year in the Super Bowl. So it, they, they're not going to score nine points again. They'll be able to put up points. But the key is here to me is I think – what Tampa Bay showed is obviously the, the Chiefs offense is very it's big play ability, Mike. It's big plays. They want to hit you downfield. They want to hit you across the middle. Very gimmicky with the trickery. Have you going one way and then they beat you and rolling out the other way. So it's very gimmicky. But they're not really uh they don't really have an identity. So what Tampa Bay said and Devon White at the end of the game, he said that we wanted to get physical with them. Because we knew if we could dominate the offensive line, offensive trenches, and the defensive trenches, there's no way that would give us the that that would give us the best opportunity to win this game. So mm-hmm. I think that is probably a blueprint that other teams can use. Get physical with the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, first of all, you got to have the personnel. They, they, so they uh, if yep. if they if back. you're thinking about all 32 teams, maybe only five I can say, Mike, in the top of my head that has the personnel defensively to do that. They can get home with four. Tell them boys to go hunting and get home with four and play coverage in the back end where you can have eyes on 87 and have eyes on Tyree Kill number 10. So you got to have the personnel to do that. Got to have linebackers that are able to run sideline to sidelines, DBs that can hold up for five plus seconds and let that pass rush get home. So not every 32 franchise has that ability, but it is a blueprint to think about because you know, you know what I'm saying? RJ, LeBron James, and Iman Shumpert said this in the 2016 finals. They said that we knew playing the Warriors, like it, it, it was a, they were a finesse team. You know, they they splash you with the threes. But what we wanted to do was get our hands on them. We wanted to get physical and beat them up. I think that's the key here. I, I think that the Chiefs got beat up. They got punched in the mouth, Mike. And you know what they say? Once you get punched in the mouth, <laughs> Tyson used to say your whole game plan goes out the door. So I, I think that's what it's, is going to happen. Teams are going to start to get physical with the Kansas City Chiefs. It took them two and a half, almost three seasons to figure that out. But because of how explosive they are, because of how, you know, with a blink of an eye that they can just hit a home run hit, they can methodically go downfield and there's no answer for, for uh, Travis Kelsey. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers said no. Off the line, we're going to get our hands on, on Travis Kessie. We will not permit you to get a free release off the line. And then what the Bucks did outside is every down in every possession, we're going to have 
a safety over the top of Tyree Kill. We will not permit you to go deep. And they got physical with them. So that's something to keep an eye out going into the 21 season, Mike. Yeah, it definitely is. And, and, and this is um, – if, if you take away the, you know, the, the heroics last year in the fourth quarter, seven from Patrick Mahomes, this is the second game in the row, uh, second Super Bowl in the row, where Patrick Mahomes has not performed well. And, uh, you know, the, the, through three quarters of, the, of last year, he didn't perform well. Then he had the, the great fourth quarter that brought him back and won the championship for him. But it, this is going to be a knock on him moving forward because you know in the biggest in the biggest stage you didn't perform your best when needed when needed the most and that granted last year you won however you didn't play the, the you, you didn't play your best ball and you saw that that physicality that San Francisco showed last year that was you know you you, you saw what they they just didn't they just weren't consistent enough through through three through four quarters you saw Tampa Bay do it this game and they were consistent through four quarters and that's and that's what was the neutralizer that 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 pressure was full man they they just got to him and you know physicality will trump that will, will, will physicality getting your hands on these receivers will trump everything all the time because it'll knock they'll not knock them off the routes the timing is off and everything you got to knock rhythm off with, with with that so and Tampa Bay, like you say, I'm glad you brought a personnel because Tampa Bay was one of the few teams in the league that had the personnel to match up with them player for player like that. Because when you look roster for roster, Tampa Bay probably does have the better roster. We just didn't see them put it all together for an entire season. But this was one of the few games that they actually put it all together on that side of the ball. And you, you saw you saw them reap the benefits of it. Well, I can tell you this, Mike, that defense they played against Patrick Mahomes, although the kid is young, but he's 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 a fantastic talent. You couldn't play that against Tom Brady. Like that he would shred you apart with that cover two Tampa two defense. He run the that ball. was a game. Oh, all all game. Was, Mike. Oh my goodness. And 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 Sebi, it, it was the crazy because Andy Reid got too greedy. Oh in that cover two, you have to run the ball. And I'm glad you brought up that they don't have no identity because you saw it. You that their their commitment to wanting to pass the ball majority of the time is is came, came to be their downfall because if they if they were committed to running the ball and getting Clyde Edwards Hilaire in consistent rhythm, you never know. Maybe maybe the turnout for this game is better. So it's just, you know, it's their 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 inability to adapt to the game was, was their downfall in this one. And this was again, this was a Clyde Edwards Hilaire game, Mike. Not only running the football because the two yep. high stages were so deep, but also, you know, in a Tampa two you think there's a seam route in the middle of the field because that is that is the weakness. But teams want you to think that is, and then they come underneath, and then there's an overlapping guy overhead and come and pick it off. So the key to exposing that, Mike, is the running backs and the backfield. And that's what Brady's done for a living, for a living for all these years. The screen passes, that was a day where Clyde edwards led had to at least get 11 touches um, in a catching game, and that, that just didn't happen. Um, there as well but it's funny Mike because ignorance is bliss arrogance is bliss as well and I think this might have humbled the Chiefs the mm -hmm. Chiefs very explosive 33 points per game only second to the Green Bay Packers in um in scoring offense this year um Buffalo was right behind them and they put up points and I just thought and said to myself that they they haven't really gotten a team that want to get their hands on them and get physical with them. But not only that, Mike, you got to have the refs know, you know, you got the refs got to let you play as well because this is for all the marbles. You know what I'm saying? This is right. going to go home. And right. so the Buccaneers really played smash mount football, trenches, both sides of the football. And it was just a great game plan. Bruce Arians, Byron Leftwich, um, credit to Todd Bowles, credit to Arians as well for having four 
uh, uh, colored men uh, of African descent on his staff. Um, he also had two ladies as well. So um, it just getting their perception on uh, uh, creating a game plan and having two weeks to prepare for that. I think that boded very well for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, and you saw, and you saw players on the field reap the benefits of it. I mean, Leonard Fournette. I mean, we had to give him a lot of credit. And Tom Brady not been yes, the quarterback on this team. Leonard Fournette, you can make a, a legit case for him being MVP. I mean, right, he was right. doing it all. I mean, he was running physical. Yeah, I mean, I, th- th- that was some of the best uh, running. I've he reminded me of LSU Fournette, Mike. Like he oh, wanted man. to flatline people. Oh my goodness, he wanted to just run guys over. He wanted to get every yard he possibly could, and it, it, it looked like he was just having fun. He was back to having fun again playing football, and, and, and you saw it. You know, the holes were opening up for him. He was he was reading it, and uh, he, he read the benefits of it. He could have easily been the MVP of that game had Tom Brady not been the quarterback on that team. Uh, he, he was sensational. And, uh, other guys stepped up and made plays, and just, just it's just a smart game plan. They, they took what the defense gave them. They, they, they knew that the linebackers for Kansas City weren't uh, – weren't, weren't, um, the weren't weren't the best, so the the the, the middle of the field with the tight ends like Cameron Bray, Rob Gronkowski, we knew that they were going to have big games because that middle of the field was wide open, um, and you saw Rob Gronkowski get two touchdowns and uh, and expose that that, that 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 part of Kansas City's defense, but they just they really just took what the defense gave them and and um and and stuck to the game plan. For sure, Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, they overtake <laughs> Joe Montana and Jerry Rice's. Uh, postseason uh, touchdown duo. Um, if Brady's the GOAT, I, I don't think there's any question about Rob Gronkowski probably potentially being the tight end GOAT um, there for sure. That's a discussion for another game. But how fun that must be, Mike. Those two guys, you know, Rob Gronkowski was in his couch. You know, Antonio Brown was a guy that was arrested and nearly homeless, wanted to become a rapper. And they both catch uh, uh, touchdowns in the Super Bowl. And you gotta you gotta feel happy for those guys, especially Antonio Brown. This is a guy in the last six seasons, when healthy, as in like prime Antonio Brown, had only numbers compared to Jerry Rice. And so for a guy to be at the top of the game and then just fall flat like that, and Tom Brady to take you under his arms, let you stay in his guest house, being able to catch a Super Bowl and finally get that that Super Bowl trophy, you gotta feel happy for guys like Antonio Brown and and longtime Buccaneers like Levante David, Mike Evans, who's been a premier wideout in the game for a while. You, those guys are the ones that will cherish this moment forever, Mike. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you and one of the things that 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 I I, I understand and, and I appreciate about it is the fact that you know Rob Gronkowski and Antonio Brown were brought into a situation where and they and being with Tom Brady, they were with somebody that understands the process of getting back to who you were. And under and, and not not rushing anything, and knowing that because Rob Gronkowski, you've been out of football for some time. Antonio Brown, you've been out of football some, for some time. It's gonna take. It's gonna. It's gonna be a process into you getting back to your normal self or to where you were before you left the field. And been being with somebody like Tom Brady that understands that it's a that that it's gonna be. It's gonna take some time. It's gonna. Be, uh, it's gonna. It's gonna take some adjustments, some failures, some some rust to knock off. The, the, that that right there alone is 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 nice to have. On your journey, and you saw that you saw Rob Gronkowski early on in the season. He didn't look like himself, but as the season progressed, as he started to get his rhythm, that's when you started. He looked, he looked like Gronk, and, and Antonio Brown's the same way. Catching that touchdown in the Super Bowl, you had to be happy for him because because that's the AB where you just seeing uh like breaking right off the at the top of the rope, making guys making guys look silly. That's that's Antonio Brown. 
So it's just understanding being with Tom Brady, understanding the process, and getting these guys to to where they need to get to. It's just a, a testament to what to his leadership, like you said, and those were some Tampa Bay's world champions because of. Agreed there for sure. But I want to uh, lastly here before we go to our next segment here with our guest um, soon here. Um, I, I want to also touch on this, Mike, as well, is we got to put this on the Kansas City Chiefs, too, because um, it has to be two things. Everybody want to say, oh, the, the Bucks cheated, Tom Brady this, Tom Brady that. This Chiefs team might be the most undisciplined team I've ever seen under Andy Reid. Right. Hmm. First of all, let's 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 put it into perspective. Last year, you get down twenty four nothing, and you had to get you had to have Patrick Mahomes put on a Superman cape and come back and <laughs> beat yeah. the Texans fifty one thirty one. But had you not been undisciplined, you probably wouldn't have never been down. Uh, you know, twenty four nothing. They were they were a quarter away, Mike, in the AFC title game last year from losing to Derrick Henry and Tannehill. You know, being undisciplined, getting unnecessary calls, offensive, offensive, uh, uh, defensive linemen being lined up in the wrong neutral zone. Like, that's just silly, silly errors that you just can't make. And then last year, you know, like you mentioned, the 49ers had them right where they wanted. And then, of course, Patrick Mahomes had to put that cape on and deliver them from misery, right. you know, and, and, and they did that. They did that. Now, this year, I, I think they caught up to them because you're not facing Jerry Garoppolo or Tannehill or even Deshaun Watson as great as he is. This is Thomas Bartholomew, James Brady Jr. Right. You can't make those silly errors against them. And then you, you saw Tyron Matthew getting after it with Brady and the refs. And, 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 and there was just a lot of emotions, a lot of emotions in that game. But from the Chiefs' perspective defensively, those are – errors that you cannot make you cannot make and i think they need to get some guys as well in that back end like they think there was a lot yeah. of holes a lot of holes in that oh, defense yeah. um but it's just something to think about because you think about andy reed teams and you, you see guys being uncharacteristic like that and undisciplined that's not the the mantra of andy reed like teams something to think about heading on to the next season yeah yeah it, it is and it's, and, it, and it's a very valid point you know continuously putting yourself in deficits at some point is going to bite you in the foot and when you're going against uh tom brady he'll he'll, he'll always make you pay when you when you when you give give him a big lead or, or, when, or when he takes it from you so yeah that's definitely something to look to, uh, to look forward to in, in the future and especially in big games when it comes to kansas city making sure you get get, get off the fast starts and this is their one, one of their biggest wake-up calls in that regard moving forward agreed there for sure if we had to put our bets and money on it mike can we see Maybe Brady has said that he will be back next year. Can we see the Bucks maybe uh, 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 going for another a deep postseason run? And and perhaps the Chiefs, is this something that can give them a rude awakening and be able to uh, come back next year and, and, and try to rewrite the narrative of what happened um, in Super Bowl 55? Man, it's, 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 it's so, as you can see, it's so tough to go to, to win multiple championships, but it's even harder to go back to back and, you know, we we credit Kansas City for even getting back to the Super Bowl. I mean, it's gonna be tough. I don't, uh, if I was a bad man, I would say neither one of these teams are gonna be in the Super Bowl next year because it's just that tough in the NFL to get back there. But uh, but, but but you know you never know, man. With time with time with time, Brady, you really just never know. Yeah, absolutely for sure. Great story, great story, Mike. Um, how great this guy really is. Um, here in this modern era. 
Here's a stat for you, Mike, that's probably going to blow your mind. Tom Brady has won a Super Bowl in four different presidents. The Bush administration, the Obama administration, the Trump administration, and now the Biden administration. Can you can you even put that into perspective? Four different presidents. And since 2014, Mike, Tom Brady has been in the Super Bowl every other year. 14, 16, 18, and now 20. It's it's just they're, they're, you're just in lost for words of how great this guy is. Yeah, he's he's going to go down as 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 one of if not the greatest of all time. You know, so it's when you're in that conversation when you when you uh, ha- had this many accomplishments, he's he's easily one of the most accomplished. He's easily the most accomplished player of all time. But uh, he's he's special, man. He's we're we're gonna look look back 25, 30 years from now and be telling our kids stories about guys like Tom Brady and stuff like that and. Um, and how fortunate we were to be able to live in this moment and witness greatness like this. Agreed there for sure. When we come back, we're not going to switch gears, Mike. We're going to continue our Super Bowl talks because we have a special guest, a very, 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 very honorable to even have this man uh, come with us uh, there for sure. We won't state his name, but when we come back, um, this is somebody that I'm very excited to have on the panel with us, the Sebi Podcast Radio Show. Live inside Studio Z. And we are back here on the second segment of the SEBI Podcast Radio Show, streaming live here on WNSC Radio. My next guest, I'm very honored to have him, not only because he's a a, a man of color, but also um, a guy that we've connected with, um, Mr. Chancellor Johnson, reporter for the Green Bay Packers and also digital host for DNCAA. My man, it's a pleasure to have you on today. What's going on, fellas? Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely, absolutely there for sure. Uh, I, I kind of uh, got connected with you once you did that Robert Tanyan um, interview. And you, you come from a, such a great um, place. You know, Walter Conkright, uh, School of Journalism and, and, and Mass Comm and stuff. Just give us a little overview of, of your backstory. Yeah, man. So, um, you know, actually, I, I, like a lot of sports journalists, I, I played ball when I was in high school. So I played basketball. Um Back, you know, back when I was in school, and and uh, I would actually have a game, and then I would talk about the game on the school news the next day. So that's really how I got into it. Um, and I had an opportunity very early on to um, kind of get involved locally. I, I was born and raised in Houston, so I had an internship like my senior year um, at the local Fox station in Houston, and that really gave gave me my start there. And then have an opportunity to go to to Cronkite, which, in my opinion, you know, uh, is the best journalism school in the country. Uh, from there, I got so many great opportunities, right? Like, so um, like my freshman year, the Super Bowl was in Houston. I had a ch- chance to come back to Houston and, and help help them out with that. They gave me an opportunity to meet a lot of new people, make a lot of great connections there. And then my sophomore year, the Final Four came to Phoenix. And so that's how I got my 
Uh, that's how I kind of broke in with the NCAA as their digital host. And ever since then, they've been having me back, you know, as long as it's not a pandemic. You know, this year is still up in the air, too, obviously, with COVID. And we'll see what that looks like this year. But, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's been um it's been a, a great ride so far. You know, I, for me to have the opportunity to graduate school um, and my first two years, you know, in the industry, you know, in the journalism industry, I get to cover, you know, a historic team like the Packers and, you know, and, and in those two years, they go to back-to-back NFC championships. It's, it's definitely nothing short of a blessing, for sure. Absolutely. No doubt. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I saw that you were a member of the, uh, uh, the National Association of Black Journalists. Yes, sir. Right? Of course. Proud member, too. Where, uh... Yeah, uh, yeah, his, no, no doubt. I, I actually was a member a couple years back. I went to the convention in Miami in 2019. Okay. I was uh, I was out there and stuff. Talk, talk to me about talk, talk to me and, and, and the viewers about what what NABJ represents and, and what it means to you and, and some of the experiences that you've had at conferences uh, at, at conferences and also just interacting. And oh man, it means everything, right? Like I, I had the <laughs> opportunity to go to um, NABJ for the first time when it was in. Um, New Orleans. I think that was my mm. junior school. And I was actually what they call an NABJ baby. So what that is, is you work the conference. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're probably familiar. You know, if you turn on a certain station at, at one of the hotels, they air, they yep. air the, the news conferences, um, I'm sorry, the news uh, of the day of the conference. Um, and I got a chance to be the sports guy for that. And so while I was there, actually my first year, I got a chance to connect with um, Leon Carter, who's the ESPN uh, he was formerly the ESPN vice president at the time, and and and, um, and Greg Lee, who's over the NABJ task force. And while I was there, um, I got a chance to connect with him, and that led me to basically get my foot in the door to join what they call the Sports Journalism Institute. And so that is a internship for um, up-and-coming minority journalists who are set to graduate. And with me getting a chance to meet them there. My junior year, I was able to get into the program, and from there, I landed an internship at ESPN. And so that was like my junior year, and that's how I got got my phone to join ESPN. And then last, uh, excuse me, two years ago when I was there in Miami, I was I was there. Uh, man, I was last, yeah. Oh, you there? Last. Okay. And so I just graduated school at that time. I was looking for a job, and obviously, you know, you had you have that big job fair there, which I think is is tremendous. You know, it's it's a great opportunity for everybody who's involved. And um, I got an interview with Scripps. And the script crew, like my tape at the time, sent me to uh, Green Bay news director. They they took a look at me and and, and uh, the rest is history. That's that's how I got to where I am right now. So NABJ is fantastic. I encourage any young black journalist to join it. And if you're a Spanish journalist, they have NAHJ. If you're Asian journalist, they have NAAJ. So it's it's you know for so if you're in those, yeah. Uh, yeah, if you're minority and looking to join a group, that's definitely where I would start. Absolutely, absolutely, there for sure. A little bit bittersweet that your Packers have been to back-to-back conference title games and not in the Super Bowl. Um, but uh, talk to us about the events that occurred in the Super Bowl that's between the Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We understand how much of a beatdown that was, but from your perspective, explain to us um, what you saw. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because um, yeah, I actually thought that the Packers. We'll take one step. Um, back for a second in the NFC Championship game, I thought the Packers, unlike the previous year when they played the 49ers, they had a, a great opportunity to to win that game. When they put the 49ers, they were completely outmatched. They they looked like the worst team. Uh, the 49ers, to me, were clearly head and shoulders better. But this year, didn't feel that way when they played the Bucks. And, and talking to the players, they, they felt the same way that they thought that was a game that they should win. But to me, the difference with, uh, for that was 
um, the, the Buccaneers defensive line and how they got after Aaron Rodgers. And so when they won mm-hmm. that game, you know, a lot of people were obviously rightfully talking about Patrick Mahomes and what he's able to do. And I get it, right? You know, his, him being the, the, the Super Bowl MVP from the previous year, him being the regular season MVP uh, two years before that. And, and we know how fast the Chiefs can put up points. But, the, the, but football games are won and lost in the trenches. And with the Chiefs, they were missing two um, key stars on the offensive line, of course, the left tackle and Eric Fisher. And with, with the way Todd Bowles called that game, it was beautiful. And it's a shame that he only got two interviews um, this coaching cycle around. But once again, to me, I think that game was one loss, you know, on that, on that um, offensive and defensive line there from the Chiefs. And Patrick Mahomes, he, he looked uncomfortable the whole game. He was still able to create some, some Mahomes magic. But it simply wasn't enough, as you saw. He didn't even score a touchdown. The Chiefs as a team didn't score a touchdown, and and it rightfully was a beatdown by the Buccaneers. Yeah, 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 yeah. To talk, talk, talk to me about the the Tampa Bay's ability to to just adapt to the game. Like you saw, you saw the running game really take off. What what you saw from Leonard Fournette? How special? How special was this running game and, and just, just their, their their ability to just live in the moment and understand and just take yeah, the defense game? Yeah, I thought they did a great job. And, you know, one of the better ways to to, um, to beat Patrick Mahomes is to keep him off the field. And the best way to do that is to mm-hmm. run the ball, right, turn some of that clock out. And um, between Rojo and Leonard Fournette for, for, um, for the Bucks to pick up a talent like from there, we, we always knew how good he was. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to – he wasn't able to kind of put it all together with the with the Jags, but he definitely showed some flashes. And so when you when you get a guy like that of his talent, you know, and and his definitely motivated by being cut by the team that drafted him. Now he's on a, a contending team. Um, yeah, I mean he he definitely showed out, and he did so also in that Packers game as well. He had that that um, big run where he had to spin move and ran over a couple guys on his way to the end zone. The NFC Championship game as well. But you know it's, it's interesting because Tom Brady won Super Bowl MVP, and you know in my opinion, you know. If it was, if I can give it out, I give it to the to the defense because once again, I think the defense won that game. Anytime you hold, Agreed. you know, Agreed. Chiefs to nine points and you shut them out from a touchdown, I would hand that Super Bowl MVP to Todd Bowles for creating that beautiful game plan. And um, obviously, earlier in the year, the Chiefs beat the Bucks um, on the road, but they did a fantastic job of making plenty of adjustments going into this game, and it definitely showed. Absolutely, absolutely, there for sure. Talk to us about, um, you know. What what does this mean for the Chiefs? Uh, in my last previous segment here, we talked about that maybe this is a blueprint that teams um, and next year can take. Now, not all 32 teams in the NFL have a defense like the Bucks that have the personnel to do this, but I think this is something that coordinators will look at in the tape and um, maybe some uh, players will go back into footage and see that, you know, this Chiefs offense is more gimmicky. It's big play offense ability, but – you know, the way to beat them is to be physical with them, punch them in the mouth and, and get your hands on some of their great receivers like Tyreek Hill and, and Travis Kelsey. So talk to us about that. And is this going to be something that head coaches or even the coordinators next year um, uh, take a look Personally, at? Personally, to be honest with you, I don't think so. Because, I mean, it, that's definitely so much easier said than done. And as you just mentioned there, not every team has a defense like the Buccaneers. The the the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they have talent on all three levels, especially – that's the unique thing about Tampa Bay is especially their their um, their linebackers, right, and Devin White, and I'm blanking all the, on the other guy's name. But they're fantastic. Levante David, yes. And, and their ability to, to get after – you know, run sideline to sideline and get after guys for them to cover guys in space. And then you have um, guys on the on the um, on the defensive line like Vita Vea and, and Jason Pierre-Paul and Dominican Sue. 
that talent isn't everywhere, right? So you can, yeah, you can, you can try to blitz Patrick Mahomes, and, and you know, of course, we know Mahomes is mobile. He was making plays still happen. He gave his opportunity. He gave his wide receivers opportunities to make plays. They just weren't able to get it done. Um, and then, of course, even on, on the secondary um, with Winfield Jr. back there and some of their their corners, the Buccaneers have a lot of talent. And so it, it's interesting because somebody made up a, a good point yesterday that I thought I saw floating on social media because if it was. You know, the, the Ravens, right? If the Ravens had went to the Super Bowl and it was the same result, it was, it's the same thing of, is this the blueprint or or should the Ravens change the offense because it is, just isn't working? We've seen, you know, the Chiefs, how good they've been um, over these past two seasons. I think up until this game, they were like 26 and uh, they, they had won 26 of their 27 games. So, you know, I, I'm not taking, you know, it's, it's they, they got beat and they got beat handily. But to, to replicate that, with all these different teams that I, I just don't really see it happening. And of course, we know Andy Reid is a great coach as well, too. He's going to make plenty of adjustments. And as long as you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes, who in my opinion is, 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 is the best quarterback in the league. I'm not really too concerned. I think the chiefs will be back. And once again, them missing their two offensive linemen, that definitely hurt. And, and their ability to not be able to protect Patrick Mahomes and do them any favors um, in this game. Do, 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 do you see Kansas City in the offseason addressing the uh, addressing some uh, some uh, holes that they have defensively, like the, the the linebacker position, or potentially getting some 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 help in the back half in the secondary? Where, where do you see uh, the the major um, points of emphasis that Kansas City needs to address in this offseason? You know, if I'm the Chiefs, forward? see, I'm not for sure exactly what they do in free agency because I haven't taken a look at like how much cap space they have. But if, if I'm the Chiefs, yeah. I, like. Sitting there with my draft picks, with a team like that, I would just take the best player available, you know, um, because right. Patrick Mahomes can cover up for a lot of flaws, you know, and maybe if you see a guy in that position of need that, um, you know, like like you said, some of the linebackers, um, maybe maybe if Michael Parsons is, is a, from Penn State is available late in, in that first round, okay, mm-hmm. I'm, I need to trade up and, and get that guy, you know, because he, he's a top 10 talent, but, you know, there's questions about some of the stuff that, some of the off-the-field stuff, is he the guy that you can, you can count on, but the talent is certainly there. So, right. you know, if, if a guy, you know, that they really like in a position of need is there, I would trade up and you know, get somebody like that, but if, if I'm sitting there at, at, you know, number 30, number 31 pick, I'm just taking the best player on the bo- on the board there and see how I can make my team um, t- team better moving forward. But once again, you know, as far as free agency goes, I'm not for sure what they have there as far as cap space. But um, also, too, I-, I look at maybe adding another wide receiver. Um, there's a lot of great wide receivers in that first round, and I know some of their wide receivers, their team offensively might not look the same. Um, I-, I think uh, either Hartman is a free agent or some of the other guys, some of their pass catchers are, are wide receivers, uh, are free agents, excuse me. Tyreek Hill obviously would be back. Travis Kelsey will be back. Um, but, you know, it, it's never a bad idea if you can add a, a good young talent on a rookie contract um, and, and pair him with Patrick Mahomes. I, I don't think that's a bad idea at all. Absolutely. Absolutely. When we look at the other side um, of, of the spectrum, you see Tom Brady hoisting his seventh Lombardi trophy. Um, you see guys like uh, Rob Gronkowski, his his buddy mate, being able to catch two touchdowns in the Super Bowl, and and a guy that he brought in in his own guest room, and Antonio Brown, a guy that Bruce Arians coached in Pittsburgh, guy that Bruce Arians knows very well and knows his off-the-field antics, but he's able to bring in because of Tom Brady's leadership and because he knows that if Tom is pretty much um, a leader for him in that locker room, everything would be back to normal. So um, talk to us about this, what this means for those three guys. Yeah, uh, you, you know, for, for Tom to be able to 
to to do what he did at his age is, is simply incredible, um, especially coming to a new team like that, completely different conference. And if you look at the road that he took to the Super Bowl, beating – we won't count that Washington football team game. Obviously, this no, no disrespect to, to WFT, but, you know, we look towards the next group of um, teams they play, <clears throat> beating Drew Brees on the road in New Orleans. Now, obviously, it's, it's a unique year. It's not the exact same effect. But beating the Hall of Famer and Drew Brees, then going up to Lambeau in – um, what was it? It was like 20-degree weather there. It could have been worse, but beating Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau, he didn't have the greatest game, but at the end of the day, he got it done. And then to beat Patrick Mahomes, that's that's three future Hall of Fame quarterbacks. For him to do that, it, right, it's right. Really incredible and on his way to the yeah. seventh trophy. Um, he touched that. Um, but, yeah, you look at other guys like Antonio Brown, I believe he will definitely be back. Um, he's He showed – you know what he's uh, his talent and what he's capable of again. You know, and, and that was it was it was hard to question that. It was as you just mentioned the off the field antics, and some people would debate if he should have or should have been allowed back in the league. And and there's you know some maybe an argument there, but on the field, you, you know when he when he steps on the field, he's still one of the best wide receivers in the league. So I think he'll probably return on, on a oh, new yeah. deal because he will be a free agent. Um, and then Bruce Arians, you know, I, I give a lot of credit to Bruce Arians because. Um, if you look at, of course, you know, a lot's been made about his staff. Um, Byron Leftwich at offensive coordinator and, and Todd Bowles, defensive coordinator. Then you got special teams coach was also black. He showed, you know, um, you know, it, it's, there's nothing wrong with hiring, you know, diverse candidates. And, and you know, and obviously in this in this coaching cycle, it's a lot been made about um, these black coaches not getting, um, you know, these roles. And seven coaching jobs, only one black coach was hired, and that's David Cully from the Texans. And he probably wasn't even the hottest out. You know, obviously, Eric Bieniemy got passed over. Todd Bowles got passed over. I'm looking at some other guys across the league who got passed over. So, it's, it's you know, I have no problem with the Buccaneers, uh, you know, winning that. They're, they're, they're definitely a likable team. Um, but, you know, it, it was fun to watch them do what they did this season. Absolutely. Absolutely there as well. A great, 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 great uh, storyline for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, of course, their seventh Lombardi Trophy. I know you're also an NCAA guy. Um, it's February. March is about a month away. Um, talk to us about what you've seen in the in the collegiate game as in terms of college basketball. Um, we know that, you know, Gonzaga is, is, is the team to beat as well as Baylor. Well, Baylor has a great, you know, argument for them as well. But um, as in terms of the entire landscape of college basketball, um, what's your excitement and, and what should we expect from your – um, your point of view heading you know, into it's March. It's been a really weird year. I mean, you could say that across any sport. You know, if you go to, to NBA as well, obviously the NFL and, and how they have. The same thing with NCAA. And it, it's, to me, the most interesting part is to see the downfall of all of these Blue Bloods from Duke, North Carolina, right. Kansas. Um, I mean, the list goes on. Like, a lot of these teams, these, these Blue Blood teams that we're used to seeing, you know, top one or two seeds, that's a good chance they don't make this tournament. And, um, yeah, like, it, to me, that's, that's really interesting to see. But, um, yeah, as you just mentioned, I think Zag and Baylor are, are the two teams to beat. The, man, the Big Ten, you know, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if, if uh, uh, a team or two comes out of the Big Ten and, and makes the Final Four. The Big Ten is a gauntlet. You know, I, and to me, I, I cover the Wisconsin Badgers um, for the most part, being here in Green Bay. We covered them a lot. And I thought, I thought Wisconsin, um, you know – Coming to this year with their seniors, they had an opportunity to really make some noise this year. And they're still a very good team. They'll make the tournament. They'll probably be in the top uh, five or six team. But, they, like, they're not even top three in the Big Ten. You got Illinois, who's very good. And, and Illinois is right. what I really like a lot this year. <laughs> um, they have 
a lot of great guard play, and then their bigs as well. Coburn is a monster um, in the paint there, so you got to stop him. Um, then you have uh, Michigan, who, who gave Wisconsin a beat down earlier this mm-hmm. year. Ohio State's good as well. Yeah, I, Iowa. Iowa. Um, you know, with Luke Garza there. I mean, I can keep going down, keep going down a list, obviously. But to, to me, once once again, it'll come down to, to me from Zagreb and Baylor. Um, in my opinion, and they've been the two best teams all season long. Um, you know, I, I wish we were able to see that Gonzaga Baylor matchup early in the year. That we didn't get that. Oh, <laughs> man. Right. oh man, yeah, that would have been a great. Yeah, we robbed, robbed us of that too. Um, but you know, it'd be really nice. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be bad for for that to be made up. You know, in, in the NCAA championship. For real, that for sure. Um, something that stood in my eye is the Big Twelve. Although the Big Ten, I agree with you. Is, is is a gauntlet, but the Big 12, um, there's some teams there. Obviously, we know about Baylor, how great they are, but um, Texas has caught my eye, as well as, um, uh, uh, you know, Texas Tech and also Oklahoma State with the talent that Kay Cunningham is. So talk to us about the Big 12 as well, although Kansas is slipping a little bit, but um, I, I still think that's still a strong conference in the right, right yeah, to Yeah, Big 12 is, is, is really good this year. Obviously, yeah. obviously, you know, Baylor is the headliner, but Texas Tech is, is good too. Megan Clung's um, you, you know, coming from the transfer from Georgetown, I mean, he's it, it is really interesting to see how he's. I remember when he was uh, in high school and how he was kind of like just this highlight type guy, and to see him blossom to this, yeah. you know, complete full blown player, um, and, and, and for him to be playing uh, at his level, um, it, it's been very special to see. I, I like Texas Tech a lot. Um, UT, you know, they, they lost the other day to Oklahoma State. That was kind of a that was kind of a weird game. Like. I, but that was on the road by them. But they, they I mean, they're a really good team. You know, um, I, I like uh, their talent there. Obviously, of course, Jones there. Um, he, he's a great player. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I would be shocked if, if, if you know, um, you know, maybe a team outside of Baylor came out. But like I said, I like a Texas Tech. To me, if there was going to be a Big 12 team, I think it would be Texas Tech. But, you know, there's another Texas school that's pretty good, too, University of Houston. Um, you, you know, I I, I like I like it yeah. Houston is just very good um, down there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't wait, man. This is you know, this is one of my favorite parts of the year. <clears throat> Getting into you know, you have the full swing of the NBA, and then you have March Madness right around the corner. You get into these conference championships. It'll be fun to see. And then you got this year to be in somewhat of a bubble like atmosphere with all the conference, all the tournament games in Indianapolis around the Indianapolis area up until the mm-hmm. Final Four. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I'm excited for it, man, and. Um, yeah, with these blue bloods out of the picture for what it seems like this year, um, who knows? Maybe a team will come out and surprise us. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, no doubt, man. Being, being a being a, being a, uh, a, a, a prominent sports journalist, so if you if you had if you had a, a chance to give a, a young up and coming sports journalist, whether he's in college or or, or, or not, who's just aspiring to, to to come up in this business. What's one, what's one sharp piece of advice that you would give them? Or, you know, um, I would say two things, right? Um, my first thing is, you know, make as many connections as you can. Um, just like how we connected right here. We connected over LinkedIn. Uh, you, you guys saw my post and, you know, you guys were able to reach out. And I was, you know, excited to, to you know, come on and talk with you guys. Um, you know, make connections because you just never know, um, you, you know, when, you, you know, somebody could be useful just even for advice or maybe for um, maybe potentially a job or whatever the case might be. And not just not just for what they can do for you. You know, it's not always about reaching up. You know, not it's not always about reaching, uh, you know, the, um, the the executive producer for you know a, a station or you know the vice president of ESPN or, or whatnot. Sometimes just reaching across because um, you know you come up 
together a lot of times, you know. So whenever I go out, you know, I, I'm I'm always trying to make sure I introduce myself to somebody new that day. You just never know. And, you know, um, once again, you know, how you can connect later on in the future. So I would definitely do that. Another thing, too, is, you know, um, take some time, you know, every now and then just to, to focus on, on getting better as a journalist. So for me, kind of the athlete in me, I watch other um, – I watch some of the top people, you know, who, people I look up to, not to to, to jack their whole flow, because you know, I, you can only be yourself. That, that's another thing I, I would definitely emphasize: be yourself. Um, I, to me, I think the best people in the business are the most authentic. Whether that's people like Scott Van Pelt or um, a legend in the, you know, in sports broadcasting and, and Stuart Scott and what he meant to, you know, this business. But to me, when you look at them their best qualities are that they are uniquely themselves. Right. Um, but back to my original point right. of, you know, I like to watch people and see like, you know, how they, how they do certain things or like with ESPN, I'm very big on storytelling. So I like to watch, I, I literally will at night when I, if I'm not doing anything, I'll sit and just watch their, uh, some of their stuff that they put out and I'll watch it first time just as like a viewer. And the same time I'll watch it. Like I, I see how the technical things, like how did they shoot this? How did they write this? Where did the music come in? How they edit it, just little things like that. And to me, that's how I, how I've kind of grown as a journalist of, you know, taking that and then looking at myself. Okay, how could I have gotten better here? You know, how could I, could my delivery have been better here? Could I have broke that a little bit better? So, um, you know, it's just like an athlete. You know, in a sense, you know, you won't get better without that. And and, and reps is definitely, you know, another important thing. No doubt, man. absolutely there for sure. Uh, quickly before we go to one of our favorite segments here on the show. Um, uh, tell us about maybe a, a small mid-major team. Uh, it, it, you know, it's a very weird year. So is this a year where a Cinderella team makes another run to the Final Four? Is there any team like that that, that kind of caught your eye and that we should yeah, be on the lookout you know, for? Yeah, you know, Chicago is back. <laughs> I remember a couple years ago. Obviously, you know, Sister Jean, they made that big run. They went also to the Final Four. Um, you know, right now they're sitting at 17-3 on the year. Um, I know Drake has been having a really good season. Uh, mm-hmm. That was going to be my pick. Season, so I would right. keep my eye out on them, too. Um, but to me, um, you know, I, I think teams like that with with those um, type of players that had those veterans on their team, guys that have been there before, um, I think they'll come in, in handy when you get into, um, you know, when you get to the conference, conference championships, conference tournaments, and, the, and March Madness. So those are my two teams that I would have my eye out on, but I still really like, uh, you know some of the the, the bigger the, the bigger players. You know, like the Gonzagas, the Baylor's. Um, you know, Illinois. Once again, I, I really like Illinois there. Um, I just like h- how they can beat you in so many different ways. They're very well coached by by Brad Norwood. Um, even teams like Alabama. You know, in, in the SEC. Um, yeah. You, you know, just, man, I just can't wait. <laughs> I'm just excited for March Madness. Too. <laughs> yeah. hey, Beware yeah. of Oklahoma as well. I've, I've seen a few of their games as well. Yeah, uh, there for sure. Go ahead, Mike. This is our favorite segment of the show. Oh, no doubt, man. We love this part of the show, brother. It's when we do. We we will go either. We'll go either this or that, and you got to pick either one you pick. We'll go overrated or underrated. We we, we, we we like to have fun with our guests sometimes, so this is just the fun aspect. This is the cool side to get to know you on a personal level a little bit. So I'll, I'll, start it, I'll start it off with this. This or that. Kyrie's handles Steph's or jump Steph's shot. jump shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it this or that? Should okay. I just say that? Or I just want to make sure I get it right. I want to play by the rules. Yeah. No, no, no. You, 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 you can say which, whichever one, whichever one you yeah, want. Yeah, give, give me a uh, jumper, you will, right? Because well. uh, if you take Kyrie's handles, I don't know if you guys ever watched the Boondocks, but the uh, here's one episode where Riley 
has all the handles in the ro- in the world. He's breaking down everybody. He's crossing over everybody, but he can't score. Um, so obviously, I can score, but the point of the game is to put the ball in the hoop. And if I have Steph Curry's range, I'm taking that every single time. Interesting, interesting there. Um, Aaron Rodgers' arm or Lamar Jackson's legs? Oh boy. Mm. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'm gonna go Lamar Jackson's legs because, uh, man, you know when he gets in open space, he's so special. Uh, we haven't seen a player like him um, at that position since Michael Vick. Um, and I know some people, some people don't love that comparison, but just his his explosiveness and 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 his ability to be a highlight at any given moment is so special. Uh, and, and for me, getting a chance to watch Aaron Rodgers up close mm-hmm. and personal, that arm is as good as advertised. <laughs> um, but just to just when you see what Lamar Jackson is able to do in the open field, to me, I think it's just more fun if, if I had the choice to, to be Lamar Jackson and, and have those legs. Mm, interesting. Go ahead, Mike. Okay, I think I got you on that. Uh, let's go. Let's go. Um, hip-hop. Hip-hop me, or um, I'm, I'm big on both. Um, I, I have – to me, I'm I'm big on '90s R&B if I have the choice. But uh, right now, um, I I probably go hip hop. Um, it's it's probably what I listen to the most at, at the moment. Mm, interesting. Michael, Michael Jackson. Jackson or Prince? I've always been a Michael Jackson guy. Um, yeah, I mean Prince, obviously a legend. Um, you know uh, <laughs> what he was able to do. Um, but to me, uh, growing up, I was always a, a Michael Jackson guy. Chris Brown or Drake? I'll go with I'll go with Drake just because of his versatility. Um, I really like Chris Brown, but but to me, um, I I think Drake just has more different songs that I can vibe to than Chris Brown. So that that'll be my choice. So that that's a very that's a tough one right there. But I'd probably go Drake there as well. Um, overrated or underrated? Uh, the weekend's halftime. Uh, uh, I'll go. I'll go overrated. It was cool. But to me, we've seen better Super Bowl performances. It, it was all right. Like, I don't think it was like the worst thing in the world. We've seen, you know, we've also seen some pretty crappy ones too. Um, but I, I just thought it was okay. Oh, so I, I'll go a little bit overrated. Over Overrated or underrated? This year or just in general? Like, uh, they were um I'll go underrated. There were some good moments. We we've seen better as well too. Yeah, I thought there was I thought really? there was some good moments. Um I'm trying to think. Yeah, they got they had to get creative. They got they, they got creative this year. Yeah, I, I thought it was I, yeah, I, mean, I thought like, it was overrated. Like, I, get low it, key. I get it. You know, I, I, I to <laughs> but there was some nice moments. I thought the Drake from State Farm that was that was pretty cool. Um, there was a couple there was a couple other ones that that stood out to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it wasn't it wasn't your your typical you know. You know, you have a handful of commercials in a normal year, but once again, it, obviously, it was it was different this year, and I'm sure that that affected how they shot their different, you know, shot their stuff. So, I'll go underrated given the circumstance. I, I I'll say this too, Sebi. Your, your judgment on the commercials, uh, uh in general, could could, could <laughs> have a lot to do with depending on how much <laughs> you too, had in your cup. There was no there was no cup. I was I was out there working in Tampa. <laughs> Oh man, this was fantastic. This was definitely fantastic, uh, Chancellor. Uh, great having you on. Um, if hey, if you guys want to connect with uh, Chancellor Johnson, you guys can um, definitely reach out to him on LinkedIn and also 
any of his various social media platforms. Um, Chance. Yeah, so um, I'll just like to LinkedIn. Well. I, I'm on there. And then uh, Twitter as well, too. Chancellor, at Chancellor TV. Um, yeah, man. But uh, it's, it's been really fun to have, uh, have, uh, with you guys having me on the show. It's always nice, you know, just talking, talking sports, man. So I appreciate you guys. No doubt, man. No doubt. It's a pleasure having you on. Definitely a pleasure having you on there as well. Because when we come back, Mike and I, we shift gears. We'll talk about some NBA. Steph is cooking, Mike. And we'll talk about that next. <laughs> And we are back here on the Sebi Podcast Radio Show here inside DOZ. Our third and final segment. That was a great segment with, with Chancellor. Always great, 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 great to talk to somebody in the industry that knows it very, very well, Mike. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, no doubt. And and, and definitely always great when I can when I can connect with somebody else who's another NABJ member and someone on the sports side, it's always dope to see. But now nah, he he seems like a cool brother and uh yeah, he brought he brought some good energy to the show. Definitely there for sure, folks. Definitely connect with Chancellor if you have a chance to do so. We switch to the NBA, Mike, and Steph Curry, <laughs> the legend that he is, arguably the greatest shooter of our lifetime. Mike, just a special, special talent. 57 against the Dallas Mavericks a few nights ago. Uh, 11 assists in a losing effort, <laughs> which is crazy. The things that he did last night against the Spurs – just a, 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 a marksman's cheat code, right? The, the, the marksman that Steph Curry is, he, he's starting to become a cheat code, Mike. We're starting to see that Steph Curry of 2015, 2016, where he went back-to-back league MVPs because of the things that he could just do. You know, oh, th- it, it's, it's just unbelievable, Thank Mike. Um, tell, tell, tell us what he's doing right now. Well, so before I get into that, I got a, I got a, I got a crazy story. I got one more I want to run to you about Steph Steph's performance the other day. I, you know, th- this weekend was the Super Bowl, so I threw a Super Bowl party at the house. So I, I got me and uh, me and me, me and me and the lady. We got a nice little um, uh, 65-inch TV. We got a nice uh-huh. sound bar. We, we was getting everything right for the party. Mm-hmm. So I was putting everything in Saturday night, but I wanted to make sure I got everything in before the game started. And my first introduction, you know, putting the new 65-inch up, putting the new sound bar up, and it sounded like a movie surround sound in here. My first introduction to the TV was watching Steph Curry put on 57. I mean, it, it sounded like a movie, and it was no crowd in Dallas, but it sounded like a movie. And, and that performance, you know what that performance reminded me of, Sebi? That performance reminded me of that performance he had against Oklahoma City, his MVP season, his unanimous MVP season. He was just raining threes from everywhere. It was it was it was special. Like that Steph Curry is the frightening Steph Curry that scared the league, that revolutionized the game of basketball. That's the Steph Curry that we're seeing right now. And if he and uh, you know if he continues to get you know help from his others, and if the Warriors make another uh, key, key trade before the trade deadline, if Steph continues to play like this, that Steph Curry, 
Oh yes, indeed, yes, indeed. This Warriors team will, will will be in the playoffs. I don't, I don't see, I don't see them making a championship or anything like that. But they, they'll definitely be a, a force to be reckoned with throughout the rest of this regular season. And but, not only that, Mike, you look at the Warriors; they're right now sitting in the ninth seed. If they were to make one of those runs, and Steph becomes the catalyst and gets them maybe okay. in a top four seed in the Western Conference, we, he could be looking at his third league MVP. This guy is a show extraordinaire, box office. I mean, where there's no fans, <laughs> uh, it's it's kind of like Zoom office. <laughs> he yep. is Mike, just one of the, one of the league's greatest marksmen that we've ever seen, if not the yep. greatest, to my estimation. Um, there was a play last night against the Spurs. You look at him, he gets the switch, and he starts dancing, dancing, <laughs> and where he's almost covered because you know, and these uh, COVID like arenas, the, the the courts are very condensed. As he's about to fall away, step back, and from a hits a 40-footer. Uh, th- there's no defense for that, Mike. Like, uh, uh, there, there's no answer for that. And what he's doing right now to just even have the Warriors and keep them afloat for them to just be in contention of getting the playoff spot, it is just remarkable. And and, and, and you see his, his dominance is opening up the floor for others and others and the, the, his teammates are starting to follow suit and starting to pick up their games as well. Andrew Wiggins, he's somebody who's been playing some very good basketball as of late. Oubre. Kelly yeah. Oubre, who had a dominant 40-point game for the game, uh, the first game when they played against the Dallas Mavericks. So you, you see these other guys start starting to step their game up, starting to starting to pick their strides. You know, I, I, obviously we know what Draymond Green can do. He's, he's one of the main catalysts on this team and so like so these these guys are starting to step it up the the the, the others are starting to to give them some help and, and you you're starting to see uh what the warriors can be when they have a full combination of their squad coming in unison together yep absolutely there for sure An- another team that's quietly uh started to come to their own is the play of LaMelo Ball Mike what he's been doing LaMelo in the last five or six games averaging 24.5 points per game almost 9.7 assists a game, and he's impacting on the defensive end with a couple steals. Um, uh, for for a guy his size, not really uh, big and girth and stature, but being able to impact both ends, and it seems it seems Mike that Michael Jordan is starting to give him the keys to the franchise and just let Lamelo go. Yeah, you're starting to you're starting to see his understanding of the game grow fast. And Sebi, I, I didn't I didn't think his understanding of the game was going to grow this fast. He picked up really quick, but he picked up the game really fast, Mike. I didn't didn't see it speeding up this quick. I didn't see him learning this fast, but I've been very impressed with his his IQ and his understanding of of where his teammates are, where he needs to be, the floor space and the the the, everything, the the, the, the culmination package, you know. But, um, yeah, yeah, Charlotte Charlotte looks very well. Lamarlo looks very well. I love what I'm seeing from Gordon Hayward and, 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 and others on that team, so. You know, Charlotte, Charlotte is a team that could potentially sneak into the playoffs and sneak into a higher seed so they can avoid some of the top seeds in, in the first round. So watch out for Charlotte. And that that that's the team. Yeah, yeah. Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan and his team, they got some cooking over there. Yep, they do. They do there for sure. Um as well. I want to give some love to Luka Doncic as well, because he didn't disappoint against Steph himself. Um, being able to hit uh seven tray balls himself. Um, Dallas, Mike, they've they haven't been the team that we thought that they'd be very bad uh, defensively, letting teams just blow by them. Scoring, I think teams are scoring a possession each, like against them. It's it, it's been really bad, but Luca is the outlier 
right? He, yeah. he is. He is. He's the guy that they've given the keys to for these last couple of years, and he's the one that can potentially get this team back into this playoff race. One of the reasons why I feel like they did this team um, is it isn't isn't where a lot of people originally planned or, or thought that they would be is because there were some unrealistic expectations thrown on this team coming into the season. Now, granted, they, they looked impressive in the bubble. Luka looked impressive against the Clippers and things like that. But, however, even with all that being said, even at full strength, this team in the Dallas Mavericks is about one or two years away from being that real championship contender team. They're not there yet. So when when they when you give them unrealistic expectations and then when they don't meet those expectations, it it, it, it surprises us some people. But, you know, for 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 for, for anybody that, that that really sees this, this is a team that's about a year or two away from really being that team to be reckoned with. Now, they have some young pieces, some uh Luka Doncic is special, and that's something that you can build around tremendously. Tim Hardaway, guys like that. Porzingis, of course, is there. But at the same time, this is still a young team and a tough Western Conference. And it's it's uh, it's, it's, it's going to take some time. It's a maturation process that they have to go through. But this Dallas team is, you know, starting to find their strides. Luka's been playing very well, and uh, they're, they're having that stretch in the season where, where they're figuring some things out. But uh, we'll, we'll see how things play out. But now this team, this team is right where they were expecting to be. They're about a year or two away from that prominence, that, that, that championship prominence type team. Yes, Dallas still looking for that dynamic duo to kick it into gear. We've heard for years, Mike, that dinosaurs are extinct. They don't, they don't like, you know, exist. Like, it's just a myth. And then we also heard in basketball that today's game, like, big mans aren't really what it is. But if you look at the MVP race, Mike, the play of Nikola Jokic and also Joel Embiid, you would think, what? Like, they, they're not extent after all. Like, these yeah. guys are are at the supreme level at what they do. Embiid being able to dominate the block inside and demanding double a double team, even sometimes triple teams. But Jokic, a little bit more, you know, of a perimeter player, but also can bang down low inside, too, yeah. uh, because he's been putting up 50 on, on Gobert. That's Rudy Gobert. And yep. also putting up 50 and a losing effort against the Spurs. And just his ability to pass. Perhaps I think, Mike, the best passing big ever, ever. There's no big that can pass like Jokic. I think he's the greatest passing big of all time already in, in such a short, um, you know, NBA career. And so now you look at the MVP race and you think, wow, big men, they're starting to come back. And it's because of the play of Joel Embiid and Jokic. Yeah, yeah, and, and and their ability to just dominate, flat out dominate the game, and understand and come into and come into their own as players. Because people got to understand, you know, we know we know Joel Embiid, you know, you know, a lot of people expected a lot early from him, but at the same time, a lot of people understand these guys were still pretty, still relatively young to some degree, and their maturation process had hadn't come yet. They, they, these guys are just starting. <laughs> their own as as and their confidence is reigning at a, at a supreme high, supremely high level where they understand their dominance they understand what they're capable of doing and then they put it all full on display this is the most dominant i've ever seen joel and b look his entire career i agree and nicola jokic nicola jokic is continuously improving off uh, of each postseason where he impresses us and, and looks like the, the best big man in the game every every season and he just he just continues to lead this team to prominence year after year so it's a time not only in where the big men are are doing this in a, in a guard driven era, but they're also in a time in their careers where they're recognizing that that, that level of confidence in their games and they're putting it on full display. Yeah, definitely for sure. You look at the standings, you see Utah number one, best three point shooting team in the NBA at nineteen and five. You look at Denver, the eighth seed. Wouldn't we see love to see that first round again? 
from what we saw last year from oh, yeah, Mitchell, uh, Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray. Yep. That, that, that'd be fun to watch, Mike, for sure. But if you had to pick between Embiid and Jokic as the current MVP, um, who would it be? I would go with I would go with Joel Embiid because of what he's doing with this team and has them uh, number one in the East and he's been more consistent. Nikola Jokic he's putting up flashy numbers, but I feel like jo- jo- Joel Embiid has been a, a lot more consistent for this team. Now uh, all around, Nikola Jokic has done more as far as you know passing and you know rebounding and, and and things of that nature. But just pure dominance and what they've done on on a, on, a, on a highly competitive level, I'm going to go with Joel Embiid. Jo- Joel Embiid has been my guy this year so far. Absolutely there for sure. And as we close today in today's episode, Mike, we'll leave with your closing arguments, my man. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to bring up a point about the Brooklyn Nets game last week against the um, Toronto Raptors on Friday night. I thought the NBA dropped the ball and Adam Silver didn't get enough scrutiny or criticism for this. There's no, it's no reason that, you know, if Kevin Durant was diagnosed with contact tracing before the game that he should have even been in the game. But if you allowed him to play in the game, then then the and then and, and then all of a sudden Midway through the third quarter, you take him out because of, because of the tracing. It, it led a lot of confusion to that team. It led a lot of confusion to the players because it, it's saying, well, if he got COVID contact <laughs> tracing and he's on the court warming up with the team, uh, playing, playing on the t- playing on the team, sitting on the bench, then then what does that mean for the players that 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 that, that he was around on his team? Like it was it was weird. It was a weird dynamic in that Nets versus Raptors game uh, last last Friday night on ESPN and and. Um, I feel like that's something that, that that needed to be addressed, and I feel like the NBA definitely dropped the ball on that one. And and uh, I'm, I'm I'm interested, looking forward to see what they're going to do as far as you know, players sitting out for contact tracing. What's what's going to be the criteria about a player that starts in the lineup and then all of a sudden gets pulled like that if that if a situation was to occur again? So that, that that's my closing note. I feel like the NBA dropped the ball on that situation, and I'm I'm looking to see how they're going to handle it moving forward. Yeah, I'm definitely there for sure. We know the Brooklyn Nets are always the team that's going to be in the spotlight for sure. And for myself and Mike, another great episode. We'll be back next week. Um, we got the Warriors and the Nets Saturday night. Ooh, that ooh, should also be a good one. I, I, ooh, I can't wait for that one right there. So I'm glad you brought that up. I almost forgot. Yeah, yeah. That's the, we've We're got that going on. About that one. KD's return to Golden State. That That's going to take headlines. Oh, yeah. so, oh, yeah. um, he should be back according to protocol. So, we shall see at there. But for us, myself and Mike, we want to say so long for that until next time. Yep. Hey, everyone. We're excited just as much as you guys tonight if you enjoyed this show. And frankly, even some of our other episodes as well. If you want to show your appreciation for the show, ensure that you leave us a rating and a review in our iTunes and Spotify. And remember, you can stay locked in here and connected. Sebupodcast.info link for the latest news, articles, interviews, and much more. And remember, wherever you're listening on air or online, the Sebi Podcast is wherever you go.